0: All right. Well, as they squeak out of here, um, I'm going to squeak in and just say that uh, today we are privileged to have John Ashman with us. Uh, John is the president of CityGate Network, uh, which is a ministry that that is based in Colorado Springs. John lives in Colorado Springs. Uh, This morning, as we were uh, sitting in my office, John is being accompanied today, squired about, perhaps, by Jonathan Yoder, who is the executive director of AMEC. Amex stands for the Alliance of Mennonite Evangelical Congregations. That's our church network that we're part of with 27 other churches. And so um, this morning, as we were sitting in the office right before Sunday school was over, John had said, well, we were talking about how you don't need to wear a tie. You don't need to wear a jacket. He said, but my wife told me I ought to. I said, okay, that, that's fair enough. But then he looked out the window and I saw a couple of you walking in. He said, oh, I should have worn my boots and my buckle though, too. And so, uh, so John's from Colorado Springs, but he left some of Colorado Springs behind. Um, but I'm excited that you're here, John. Uh, just a little bit of background so that you know sort of where John's coming from. Uh, AMEC uh, has invited John in, and for the last couple of days, he's been doing workshops with folks uh, more in the Lancaster area, both folks who are working with local nonprofits and, and especially Christian nonprofits to address homelessness. In fact, I think there's a hung, the, the hungry, the homeless, the the abused, and the addicted. And so on Friday, uh, he met up, near the factory ministries in, in Paradise, uh, near, and with Grace Point Church, and there were about 30 different people from all kinds of different organizations in that area of Lancaster County, and, and he was able to resource them. Yesterday morning, we were at Grace Point Church, and there were a, a group of AMEC pastors. Uh, Pastor Steve and I were among them, and we met, and, and John and, and some others just shared about what God is doing and, and might be preparing us to do through some local initiatives just to help those who are less fortunate. I told John, We've got a lot of people here in this congregation who are already passionate about that kind of work. I think you can see that if you were at the Lighthouse auction yesterday, I walked in a little bit late, but it looked like every other person there was one of you. And so uh, that's exciting to me. I know there's a heart for helping others. Today, John's going to talk a little bit about how God might be stirring in us. So John, I'm going to invite you to come up. Uh, I'm going to pray for you before we get rolling, and then I'm going to let you roll. Does that sound good? Good. All right. Lord, I thank you for my brother, John, and I thank you for the acquaintance that we've been able to build this week already, and I thank you for the ministry work that's been happening in our area. I pray that you'll bless John as he shares with us, bless those uh, from the City Gate Network who are working still today, bless his wife at home and, and his family around the country as he shares, but I pray most of all that you would speak through him and bless us through whatever it is that you put on his heart. Lord, we trust you to lead, and I pray that you'll help us to hear. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.
1: Thank you. I don't know about you. I would have liked to hear a little bit more from Squeaky. That sounded pretty interesting, but I guess he had to go. Uh, Yes, there is a tie here, and my wife's words were, you know it's back east. You didn't cut your hair before you left, so at least wear a tie. So uh, um, that's uh, the back east that we remember, because even though I live in Colorado, I was born in Colorado, I grew up in South Jersey, And so, some of you may have heard of Camp Halawas or Halawasa Christian Camp. I was the director over there for 15 years and then um, took off to uh, Colorado where what I did was left South Jersey. You know, New Jersey has more people per square mile than India, Uh, and then we ended up in Colorado. My kids went 27 miles to school on dirt roads and had to transfer buses. And uh, we lived in the town called Carr, and then they went to Nunn, and then Alt. It seemed like all the towns up there have one syllable. It makes it easy for all the ranchers. But uh, we uh, we worked on a 15,000 acre cattle ranch. I was actually a cowboy coming from New Jersey. They were surprised that I could stay on a horse, but that's because I was a camp director, I knew how to ride. And uh, we moved there. 15,000-acre uh, cattle ranch, uh, Angus, Charlay, uh, some, some uh, Herefords, a lot of crossbreeds, but I also pastored the church. Uh, it was a church of 32 people in a t- uh, town of 34, and so we, we did pretty well. Uh, the other two uh, went down to an LDS church down in Greeley, but they did come to my Christmas program, which was, which was pretty good, so I'll count that. Uh, so here we are. Uh, the tie will stay on the whole time. I'm tempted to take it off and drape it over the piano, but I won't do that. But uh, in the world that we are, I actually um, worked for Christian Camp and Conference Association. You know, Colorado Springs has 152 faith-based organizations headquartered there. And so I was actually there for Christian Camp and Conference Association. But then I kind of moved over to the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions. So uh, So 15 years as COO for Christian Camps, and now I'm almost uh, up to 15 years as the CEO for the Rescue Mission Association. People said to me, John, how can you go from Christian Camps and conference centers to rescue missions? You know, it's the difference of night and day. You've got Christian Camps that are on the edge of a lake somewhere or on top of a mountain deep in the forest, and then you've got these rescue missions that are in the heart of the city, down between the bars and the brothels and and the worst part. And uh, how, how can you make that connection? And I said, first of all, it's association management. But think about it, whether you're in a Christian camp or you're in a rescue mission, in both you sleep people, in both you feed people, in both you do chapel services, in both you have education, in both you do... Buildings and grounds and maintenance, you do HR and PR, you do fundraising. The only difference is you go to a place like Halawasa or Sandy Cove or one of the camps because it's a fun resort, you go to a rescue mission because it's a last resort. It's all about the ministry of hospitality, and that's what we should be in. So I'm going to uh, go a couple of different ways for you today. It's always fun when there's a a speaker who you don't know and they they come up and uh, what's it going to look like and do I need to join the children's church today or should I stay where I am? So uh, hopefully you'll stay, but I just want to tell you a little bit about what's going on in America right now with hunger, homelessness, abuse, and addiction. Uh, That's primarily what missions are. We have 320 organizations that are part of CityGate Network. Uh, We are North America's oldest and largest association of faith-based crisis shelters and life transformation centers. In most U.S. cities, one of our members is the largest homeless services provider. Some cities, it's the only homeless services provider. So we have places like Water Street Mission or Lebanon Rescue Mission or Sunday Breakfast Rescue Mission in Philadelphia, Helping Up Mission down in Baltimore, some of these that you might know. And as I've traveled around and seen some of these places, uh, you may not see it in, in Chester County or Lancaster County or Berks County or Montgomery County, but uh, we see in some of the urban areas some of the worst conditions that we've ever experienced in America. You know, in the uh, 1940s, there were 80,000 homeless people in America. In the 1980s, there were 200,000. Uh, right now HUD, Housing and Urban Development will tell you there's about 580,000 homeless people in America, uh, but all they, they have the privilege of changing the definition from time to time. When HUD says we have 580,000, uh, the folks over at the Department of Education say, well that's interesting, why do we have 2.1 million homeless children in our school systems? So it really is not settled out there, but there is an opportunity like never before to be involved with the poor. And if you really look at what Jesus said where he spent his time, it was with the hungry, the homeless, the abused, the addicted, the afflicted. And so uh, I I kind of got my, uh, my bearings on this one time when I was traveling. Uh, for my job, um, this is my 13th year in a row to, uh, to, to go a, a, a 1K for United, that's 100,000 miles a year. And so as I was traveling, uh, I've gotten to the point where I don't take my, I just check my suitcase because it's free, I don't have to pay for the baggage. Uh, but if you ever have traveled and you carry a suitcase, you know something happens every once in a while. And that is, you lose your luggage. So there I was in Fresno, California, came in on a small plane, you know, probably 50 passengers, and it was late at night, uh, we got off the plane, went down to the carousel, and uh, waited, and finally the bag started coming off, you know, plop, 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 and there was about 30 of us there, and then there were about 15 of us there, and then there were eight of us there, and then there were three of us there, and then there was me, and then the carousel stopped. So I walked over to that little doorway in the wall, you know, the place where they put the person who doesn't get along with all the folks up in the ticket agent, they put them down there. And, uh, and as, as if you've ever been in a, an, a, an airport where they have the, the lost luggage, you know, sometimes they line some of them up outside the door because they came on in a previous flight. So I was walking over to see uh, if where, to check my bag, see where it was, and as I was going that direction, Peripheral vision picks up a blur to my left, and as I 'm walking over, this little girl, about eight years old, comes running past me, drops to her knees and slides in right in front of a SpongeBob Squarepants roller bag. And she throws her arms around it and says, "Daddy, here he is." She turns around, looks. She says, "We found you. you're with us now." And she grabs it, and she starts running back toward her parents. And I was watching that take place, and I started pondering some things. You know, luggage gets lost all the time. And as I'm traveling around from place to place, people ask me, well how do people get lost? How, are th- how is it that there are so many people outside the doors of so many of these missions with the conditions that they have? And it occurred to me that people get lost the same way luggage gets lost. Think about this, mislabeled. Today you go in and uh, it's all automated, but if you're not watching, these things are spitting the the labels out and they're slapping them on and I'm saying, wait, 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 that was mine, not not that one, and you've gotta make sure they get labeled correctly before they go down the conveyor belt and down under the airport. People get mislabeled. You're ugly. You're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. It could be a parent. It could be the kids in school. It could be those that you trust to build you up. And carelessly, they're slinging words that label a young girl, a young guy, and off they go in life with a label that they were never meant to have. Luggage also gets misdirected. It may have the right label, but who knows what goes on down underneath the floors of an airport before things go out in the tarmac. I, I had a suitcase one time. I was heading to Boston. It did a, a tour of the whole west coast of the U.S. when I looked at all the stuff on it, Seattle all the way down to San Diego by the time it caught up with me. Somebody was misdirecting something. People get misdirected. It could be at a young age, try this. Dude, you wanna get really knocked back on your feet? Pop through these. Or it could be on a different level. It could be somebody going to a college or a university and they end up listening to a faculty member who is misdirecting them in another, another way to go that totally takes them away from their original grounding and founding. It could be a spouse, always getting the wrong advice. Somebody shows up at a mission years later, how did I get here, I have no idea. But I remember listening to kids in my school. I remember listening to people in my college. I had it drummed into me by somebody. Luggage also gets lost when it's mishandled. My daughter-in-law worked for coffee people at PDX, Portland Airport. And one time she kind of took me down. I had a pass and she was showing me where some of the supplies came in. And we were actually down on the tarmac uh, walking past the, the innards of the airport baggage line. And I said, what's all that over there? She says, those are the suitcases that didn't make it on these flights, and they haven't had the nerve yet to tell the passengers uh, how their suitcases looking these days, it's lost. I looked in, wheels broken off, handles snapped, zippers ripped. There are a lot of people showing up at rescue missions these days who have been badly mishandled by the people who they trusted the most. Sometimes a father, sometimes a relative, sometimes a neighbor. The abuse portion is just off the charts these days. They end up at a mission needing repairs, and I've seen them come in in different places. What will you do to restore me so I can be back on the journey that I was supposed to be on? if that's even possible at this point in my life. We have an opportunity to engage with people like this. And maybe you don't see them every day in this more rural setting. But I do know that the poverty even in this county, in Lancaster County, from what I've learned from the people I was talking to, is really startling. The verse I always go to when I want to see what my obligation is, but also want to understand how God views us when we keep our commitments, is in Hebrews. I kind of made up my life verse, which is unusual um, to take... This particular verse. Um, this is my Bible today. Sometimes it rings when I'm looking at it. It's never usually the Holy Spirit, it's usually my wife. But, um, you know, if this is in Hebrews 16. Hebrews 16 is, excuse me, uh, Hebrews 11. Uh, Hebrews 11. Those of you who are looking for Hebrews 16, uh, come back to Hebrews 11. Um, you know, it's, it's sometimes called God's Hall of Fame. Who did God count faithful? Uh, I think, Jesse, you did a, a, a series on this you know, back in last spring. Who did God count faithful? Who stood out and Why? Did you ever ponder the list, like who made it and who didn't? You know, I think it's interesting that Joshua doesn't get his name mentioned, but the walls mentioned. It's like Pete Rose uh, not getting in Cooperstown, but at least the number of steals ends up in there. Uh, You know, Then you look at like Rahab the harlot made it. Uh, The feminists don't like the fact that Barak made it, but Deborah didn't. And then there's this character, Jephthah, you know, one of the judges, not too many people if I asked to stand up and tell me the story of Jephthah, you know, what was going on in his life, but he's in here. He's in God's hall of fame. So here's the verse that, that I want to call your attention to. It's Hebrews 11, 22. Uh, By faith, Joseph, when, he, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. And gave commandments concerning his bones. And that's it. When I sometimes tell people that's my verse and I'm out there and I'm reading it, and they say, oh, to themselves, that poor guy, he read the wrong verse and now he doesn't know what the right one is and he's trying to find it here and stumbling around. No, that's it. And if you look in the King James, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandments concerning his bones. That is why God counted Joseph faithful. Hmm. What does that mean? In other words, God looked at Joseph's life and he didn't count him faithful because... He stayed true to his values. He didn't count him faithful because he resisted Potiphar's wife. That didn't make it. He didn't count him faithful because he saved the whole known world from starvation. He didn't count Joseph faithful because he didn't stick it to his brothers when he had the chance. God counted Joseph faithful because right before he died, He made some funeral arrangements. Hmm. Here's what I think that means. Picture this Egypt, center of the world at that point. Pharaoh, number one ruler. Number two was Joseph. There he is in a palace. Very likely. Some of his brothers, probably nephews and nieces, are summoned and they come into the palace. Maybe Joseph is laying in a bed. Probably those Egyptians that you see with the big diapers and the fans on a stick, you know, and all that kind of stuff and the things on the wall. And, and his, he says to his family, Gather around. You know that I'm the second most powerful person in the known world. You know that if I said the word, they would build a sphinx in my likeness out on the plains. You know I could still get a spot in one of the pyramids. But... Why would I want to do that? If I did that, what people would remember about me is that I lived for Egypt. Instead, I want them to know that I live for God's values. I live for his promises. I lived for what he told my father Passed down from Abraham would be our inheritance. And how am I going to communicate that to you, my family? How am I going to communicate that to your kids who I will probably never see? One simple act is all I ask. I believe that he's going to take his people out of here. I don't know when it's going to be. But promise me this, when that time comes, I want whatever's left of me dug up and taken with the children. Because I want it known that I didn't live for Egypt. And if you look in the last chapter of Joshua, you see that it says, and the bones that the children of Israel had brought, brought up out of Egypt were buried in his father's land you imagine the guys who had the task of carrying joseph's bones for 40 years they probably started out in a box and ended up in a bag you know it's like dude he's dead he's basically sand in this bag let's just leave it in the desert nobody will know no there was a promise made and a statement to be upheld i didn't live for egypt You may not be the second wealthiest shop owner, farmer, physician, whatever, in Chester County or wherever you live. But you have people watching you. If you're a family person, you have kids. If you're older, you have grandkids. What's the statement that you have made that says, I didn't live for this world. I didn't live for U.S. capitalism. My values are with God's values. And what I want to do is show you, by my life, by what I leave behind, that that was truly how I was wired. One of the ways you can do that Is by watching what Jesus demonstrated when it came to the hungry, the homeless, the abused, and the addicted. To the poor. What's your engagement plan with the poor? It's easy these days to say, you know, the government can take care of it. There's so many government programs, and uh, there's, you know, there's Lighthouse Ministry, and there's that church, and our church does some things. And it kind of comes to so a lot of people like the quilt ministry. It's just kind of, somebody else will do it. It's kind of sad to see nobody's keeping the traditions alive with the, the quilts. But moreover, what are you doing with the poor? Let's go back to the, uh, to the luggage. Mislabeled, misdirected, Mishandled. If you go back to Luke 15 and the parable of the lost sheep, let's give it some perspective with my paraphrase that I'm taking great liberties with. Suppose what you had was a plane load of luggage, but one suitcase got lost. Wouldn't you go after the lost one until you found it? And once it was found, wouldn't you put it on the very next flight and when it came off the plane and was delivered, you can be sure you would say, celebrate with me. We have our luggage. <laughs> Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one recovered bag than the 99 already in the terminal. No need of rescue. When you home today, uh, you know, watch the Eagles lose or whatever they're going to do this week, Um, Maybe when you have some quiet time, talk about what is your plan for the poor? What is your personal agenda? How are you handling it? What did Jesus say you need to do, and how will you carry it out? And how will you tell your children, your children's children, or your neighbors, or your best friends, that you didn't live for Egypt. Your values were with God's value system and that you want everybody who's coming behind you to remember that. Lord, make us mindful of who you've put around us. Bring into our minds some names, some opportunities. Let us be forward thinking let us wonder who might need a meal today who might need a trip home who might need a trip to the grocery store who might need a blanket an arm around the shoulder and some encouragement Keep us on that path. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Would you uh, stand with us for our closing song today?